Hello and welcome back to Onboard and Sharing. Today we have Shanti Wells. She is a lactation consultant as well as a birthing doula. She actually found her passion whilst uh, leaving her corporate background and um, yeah, found her passion while helping her daughter birth. And we love hearing from her because she has got such a special heart and, and passion for what she does. She also helps her moms through oils um, whether it's the baby who needs oils after birth or the mom who needs it for scarring or um, stretch marks. She really has catered to all the needs of her mom and if you want more information we'll leave some details in, in the description below. But we hope you enjoy this um, episode just on breastfeeding and just the concerns, fears and just some questions that we have around breastfeeding. We hope you enjoy it. Here's Shanti. Shanti is Chantal. Okay. Chantal, um, known as Shanti. Every, I've grown up Shanti. So um, everybody calls me Shanti and I introduce myself as Shanti. Um, so breastfeeding has been one of my greatest passions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a journey for moms. Mm-hmm. Um, I breastfed my babies until they were a year and a half all of them I actually didn't bottle them at all um, and it was just such a beautiful um, bond for me that I, I realized that that was a big key in what I'm doing today is something that I put a lot of time and effort into with my moms mm-hmm. um, it's a journey because it's overwhelming it's the unknown I've learned as I work with moms that you can read so much on breastfeeding but it's a skill and it's not something that you can just have all this information, which is great. You need mm. to prepare yourself and know what you're going into, but it's a technical skill. It's, we always think, oh, it's natural. Everybody mm. can breastfeed, but it actually isn't like that. It's very much a unique individual um, process, experience, tackle, challenge. Everybody's different. Mm. Um, Everybody's hormones are different, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. Some may suffer from depression, some may have thyroid issues, some may have, you know, there's just such a vast that I realized taking my book, reading how it all is, because you're dealing with the emotions mm. of the mom, you're dealing with the physical of the mom, you're dealing with a baby, you're dealing with a skill to bond the two. Um, the mom is tired, mm. lack of sleep, it's overwhelming. It's a time where a mom has to literally surrender what's happening around her because you've got to make that time for baby. Mm. You can't rush the process. Um, and that on its own is a challenge for a lot of moms. Mm. You get moms that are very OCD. You get moms that are exceptionally chilled um, and take it in their stride. And you've got to work with those different moms. You know, you've got, you can't say to a mom that's extremely organized and wants all the ducks in a row to say, well, sorry, I'm going to happen like that. Mm. You've got to really work with that personality. So, um, so for me, I kind of chucked the book away. Nice. I've had to do that with <laughs> dueling births as well. I had to chuck the book away. Yes, you need the information and the guidance and the teaching. But at the end of, end of the day, it's me and that mom mm. and that need. Um, you have to prepare them for the the journey. Mm. Um, 
because often what happens is you you do give them the information you do prep them because i, I often birth with them yeah and, you know, there are times I'll get called afterwards, I haven't birthed with them, and then I'll get called afterwards. And you also need to take into consideration that they may have had a Caesar, which can affect breastfeeding as well in different ways. We're going to definitely have to ask that. <laughs> um, so all those things make a very big difference. Mm. Did they breastfeed before? Were they told they couldn't breastfeed? Now they've got a second one. They so badly want to breastfeed, but they've got this idea that they can't the breastfeed. Block, yeah. so you've got to change all of those happenings in the mind, you mm. know. Um, so as a, as a breastfeeding consultant, they go in, they sit with a mom. They kind of, it's like a little mini psychologist. You oh, can nice. assess what's <laughs> happening, you know. Yeah. Um, and as I say, it's a skill. It's mm. not something you can do over the phone. Mm. Um, you want to be there. You want to be there while they're breastfeeding. You want to see the situation that the mom is in. Mm. You want to see what baby's doing, what type of baby she's got, you know, um, is uh, what type of... A latch mummy's doing, um, has it got a tongue tie, hasn't it got a tongue tie, has it got an in, uh, sort of a, a jaw that is a, a, a sort of inverted or, um, you know, all of those things play a big role. So yes, a baby can latch itself onto the nipple mm. quite easy, but we need to get that baby onto the breast, mm. not just the nipple. So there's how to prevent cracked nipples, how to prevent engorgement, how to prevent mastitis, how to get the milk ducts open and cooled down and how to calm the breast down, especially when that milk is coming in in the beginning. So is um, the breast hot when it is that why you say calm the breast down, is it? So often what happens when the milk comes mm. in, it's it's like you like the tap. Mm. You switch the tap on. So the brain is literally saying, make milk, make milk, make milk. But it's got to work on a supply and demand. Mm. So initially, it's just coming in at full force. And you can just feel those breasts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Baby's not drinking mm. to empty, basically. It's drinking, but it's not really empty. So the milk is just constantly coming in. Mm. And that is the time where engorgement kicks in very easily, sort of in under the two weeks. Um, so when I say calm the breast down, we actually want to do hot and cold cloths. We want to get those breasts empty or um, get baby sucking really well on them so that they don't have these engorged breasts that mm. can become mastitis, which then is another different scenario. So it's, so day five visit for me, post birth, mm is probably the most crucial visit. So you're a doula, so we didn't mention it, but you're a doula and a lactation consultant. So when someone hasn't gone through birthing, birthing, I'm trying to pronounce that right, <laughs> and then they call you for lactation, is there, a, is there a difference between being there on the day, helping them once they've given birth to help latch after a certain period to someone who's called you five days later? Mm. There is a difference in that you've walked a journey with a mom. Mm. So you get to understand. And there's um, a relationship as there's well. There's a relationship. Yeah. You get to understand her personality. Mm. Is she anxious, isn't she? A little bit, you have a bit more detail about the mom. Mm. 
um, and you're catching that um, breastfeed in the first hour of birthing. So you stop the so, dart basically and you stop everything in the head that you were talking about. Yes, and that skill of starting that process straight away, knowing that she's got help, I think makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I actually latch that baby myself mm. in the first feed which for me is the most crucial thing for mm. everything to happen. Skin to skin, getting um, that prolactin hormone is released, um, you latching, getting the milk coming down, um, starting that bonding process. Mm. Um, the mom is feeling content because she's not having to struggle. Mm. Um, I'm, there's no rush because that's my job. Mm. So... If it takes me 20 minutes to latch that baby, because not all babies latch perfectly, mm. and I'll go and grab that breast and half, you know, some babies you almost have to teach them. They just are not getting it. Maybe that sucking reflex hasn't quite kicked in yet, and we need to get it going. So it gives mom a peace knowing that someone's there to do the process. Mm. They're also exceptionally tired and overwhelmed. They've just birthed. There's a lot of adrenaline pumping as well. Mm. I've actually had some moms literally pass out on me, so I literally hold that baby um, with a mom. I obviously get her into that position of cradling and mm -hmm. holding baby, but I'm right there. I actually don't move in that hour of her feeding. Um, so, so that is a very important role for me. So if I'm called five days later, I firstly don't know the mom. So I'm literally having to... I don't know how to put this, you know. Like learn, teach, and be, be nice at the same time. I literally take God in with me. He literally uh -huh. will discern. So I can literally discern in an instant what is happening. Mm. Um, calming the mom down. I mean, at, at times I will get there. That mom is lying on the bed sobbing. Her breasts are so engorged. Um, she hasn't been able to latch this baby properly. Her nipples are cracked. She wants to give up, understandably mm. so. So you have to be gentle, you have to be encouraging, you have to give her hope, you know. Um, and so I spend a lot of time, I'm talking sometimes three, four hours for that mom, um, to just get her into a positive state, relatch that baby, show her how to do it, make her do it. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm not going to be there the whole time. So Absolutely, one thing yeah. to latch the baby. So the difference is I will latch baby post-birth um, and then come on day two to visit them in the hospital and see what they did when I was away in mm. the 24 hours. And then I do what I call a correction latch. So, of course, on day five when you called or whenever, it could be two weeks later with mm. a mom you haven't journeyed with, you've got to correct that latch. You've got to make sure that they can do it. Mm. They're understanding what they're doing, um, understanding how many times to feed baby, how often to feed mm. baby, um, and for how long. Mm. And some moms think that babies after half an hour are hungry, so they keep putting them back and they get used like a dummy, for mm. instance. So it's all those things that you want to correct and bring a balance into their life so that they can sleep so that they can have time to be able to just function as a human being. And also yeah. the confidence, I think, is also huge. Because you look at people who... So why I love talking about breastfeeding is because, like you said, it's supposed to come across very naturally. Because 
you assume that puppies can do it, therefore mm. mothers should be able to do it. So moms, like you say, go into such a frenzy when it's not working. And I mean, my, my question is, why is it no longer natural? Or has it always not been natural? And people have just hidden the fact that they haven't been able to breastfeed. And how do we desensitize it to don't be ashamed, rather just talk about it and get a lactation consultant so that you can have peace of mind as well as get the right latch instead of being sore. And you look at hospitals, hospitals no longer, well, I don't think I ever actually had the time to actually teach a woman because when they come in, I mean, I've spoken to a midwife as well where the, the nurse will come in, they're just wanting to know if the baby latched, that's it. Mm-hmm. The, correct. Yes. And then, oh, sorry, it's not working, so he has formula because mm-hmm. it's not, not personalized and now mm-hmm. you're spending three hours, you have more than one feed in those three hours mm-hmm. and you're able to calm the mother down and just take a journey with her even if it is for the Mm -hmm. first time that you've met her which I think is unbelievably beautiful and such a great tool that I don't think a lot of people know about yeah because I've seen so many people on Facebook where they just said this formula has been great for me because I've um, not been able to breastfeed but did they know about a lactation consultant was it a financial thing that they weren't going for or contacting a, a, a lactation consultant or was it just your mom did it, therefore you should feel stronger and you'd now take on another piece of armor that you've got to latch onto this already heavy burden mm. that, well, not burden, but you know what I mean, like this mm. heavy process and it's so heavy on moms and no wonder they go through depression yeah. and you've got hormones and you're tired yes. and it's hectic. It's so I think, yes. yeah. and I love the fact that you spend so much time with someone that it's, it should honestly give people a reassuring sense of hope that it's okay and just ask for help I think we're in such a prideful Mm. age where we no longer want to ask for help because it shows you're weak you're not perfect you're not we put so much mental pressure on ourselves and then you go into pregnancy and you put an additional pressure that it's that why do we do it? Yeah. Why? <laughs> so much peer group pressure. I think yeah. that is a problem. We have a lot of media pressure. We have a lot of negative. We have a lot of positive. And I think the key in breastfeeding is a support. Mm. You need to have that support to keep going and mm. to let that person know it's okay that you're not getting it straight away. Mm. It's okay that today you had a bad day mm. or baby was just so cranky you know remember they're also personality you might be trying to latch a baby and it's flapping and screaming mom thinks it's her and she just mm. isn't cut out to be a mom and so for them to understand that this is a normal thing mm. um i think is a very major a major um how can i say this i mean you need to just surrender mm. you need to just know that Everybody goes through mm. this. So, you know, maybe with your second and third, it comes more naturally if you mm. have breastfeed. But because if you don't have the support, it's easy to bottle feed. Mm. Because you don't understand that this is normal, that there is a process. Mm. Give yourself three to four weeks. Everything calms down. Everything stabilizes. Mm. The body understands how much milk to make. Mm. That is not this huge, big overflow. Um, the nipples heal. Um, you're more relaxed. You know what you're doing. Mm. It becomes a you and baby time. Mm. But because there's no support, mm. and yes, the midwives and the um, nurses don't have that time, mm. because they're so busy, a lot of them are short-staffed, they're dealing with a lot, 
they don't have that time to actually sit mm. and spend that length of time, mm. which a doula should be able to do. Mm. And a lot of people don't know about doulas. I know, it is mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. And I am blessed to have worked with a team of midwives um, that genuinely are pro-breastfeeding. Mm. Um, remember also, a lot of moms have to go back to work. Yeah. So to get their head around, they just think, how am I going to work and breastfeed? Mm. Because no one's taken them down that journey. Mm. And a lot of my moms work. Mm. So I have to um, help them to be able to put baby on a bottle as well as breastfeed. Mm. Not to lose the breastfeed, but to let them know it's actually okay to give a baby a bottle every 24 hours because mm. wow we don't want six eight weeks to come down the road and i get a call and say baby refuses the bottle mm. now they're stressed because how am i going to go back to work i'm breastfeeding mm. how's my baby going to eat it's all those things that mm. you have to teach them mm. and walk that journey with and say okay it's now the third week i know everybody says six weeks remember i deal with this Mm. I've realized six weeks doesn't work. <laughs> All my six-week babies fight that bottle. Mm. So I usually will start one bottle around 21 days. Mm. We've established the breastfeeding. Baby's doing well. Mom's doing well. And then I say, okay, let's do only one bottle. Not mm. more than that because then baby can reject the breast. Mm. So remember, they take that bottle and I think, oh, this is easy. Yeah. It's free-flowing. I don't have to work at it. Yeah. But I can tell you now that every single mom that I have started that process mm. with now can safely and with comfort know that when they go back to work, baby's taking the bottle and I can still breastfeed. So they will express we will wean off some of the times during the day mm. so that when they're sitting at work, they're not sitting now with a situation where they need to feed baby and they can't release the milk, mm. you know. So they do have to go to work with pumps, some of them. Mm. Some of them are in a space where baby's no longer taking maybe a milk. They'll do the bottle feed at, say, lunchtime. So they will do an early morning feed, express maybe at lunchtime, and then do a night feed when they come home, or two. Yeah. And if they have to feed during the night, they'll do that. So that keeps going. So mm. I've got moms feeding morning and night and working during the day, not having to pump even. Mm. And because the body readjusts itself, mm. you know, there comes a time where you can actually just do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fascinating. And I think mm. it's it's so interesting at why I love breastfeeding is because there's a beautiful picture. Someone did a, an art picture of how the baby is sucking on the mom's breast and or suckling, should I say. And there's a message going into the boob and going into the entire receptors and sending a message on what the baby needs and then pushing it back out into the baby which I think is the most beautiful thing and the fact that you can also work still do that and still work at the same time yes it's a lot more pressure but it's beautiful I think breastfeeding is the most beautiful thing that a mom can do oneness with your baby that you unfortunately and and don't get me wrong because it's a very sensitive issue the um 
you know, moms think, okay, if I'm bottle feeding only and not breastfeeding, that I also have a bond. You do have that mm. bond. You're cradling your baby, you do have that bond. But remember with breastfeeding, there's a oneness. Mm. Um, you can actually be in another room. Your baby will wake up quietly. You might not even hear your baby. Your baby might just open its eyes and your milk starts to run. Oh, wow. I could be in the shops. <laughs> My milk could start running. And I would phone and say, baby awake? And baby has just woken up. That's the incredible oneness. Mm. So I always say, you know, you cut the umbilical cord. But when you're breastfeeding, it's like that cord is not broken yet. Like spiritually, it's still connected. It's still connected yeah. because yeah. you're so in tuned with your baby. Your hormones are in tuned. Everything is in tuned with that baby. Mm. That that baby can literally smell you walk into the room. It's just the most amazing thing. So when you wean your baby mm. is really the cutoff, you know. Mm. And I think and I struggled with weaning because I knew that was going to be a final severing mm. of that. You always have that bond. Mm. That doesn't replace that bond. But there's definitely a connection between your body and what's happening with that baby, mm. which for me is just phenomenal. It's unbelievably beautiful. I absolutely love it. So why is it important for mom and baby to breastfeed? Oh, baby is breastfeeding, but why is it important to breastfeed though? Well, firstly, you have that skin to skin. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, you want that skin to skin. Mm. You want that. Um, it's easy digested. It builds an immune system in baby. Mm. It helps with fighting sickness and disease. Um, it's good for mom, mm. uh, you know, with a prolactin hormone and the oxytocin hormone. You've got that helping your moods. It's almost taking like a mild sort of relaxant. Mm. It, it releases a calming, relaxing feeling for mom, actually. Um, it's it's just, I think for, it helps with winds. Mm. It's, it lessens the winds. Um, I think it's just an all-round benefit because of the fact that it's easily digestible. You gain less weight. Mm -hmm. So you might have a chubby baby, and all my babies were really chubby, <laughs> but it's different. It's not like an obesity. Mm -hmm. So when, they, when they're off breast milk, you don't seem to have the weight problems that you might have with a formula-fed baby. Mm, true. Um, it is a more difficult it's a more um you know formula isn't as easily digestible as mm. because it's obviously um a chemical mm. uh, rather than a, a sort of a, a natural mm. yeah so you can never completely um copy breast milk isn't that the most amazing thing though that how we are designed is that you, like no mom has the same breast milk as any other mom yeah it is yeah. unbelievable. And the most incredible thing is your baby can be sick mm. and your body picks that up. Mm. So the milk changes yeah. to supplement what baby needs. Mm. As your baby's growing, your milk changes. Mm. You know? And one of my friends says that milk, breast milk is the most um, beneficial to wounds. Yes. She constantly, if she has a sore, she puts on herself or on her baby, she just takes some breast milk and gives to yes. wherever the, the sore is. It's unbelievable. Amazing. It's got, especially in the first week, you've got mm. the colostrum that comes in first, which is your absolute gold milk. Mm. 
um, and then it changes from about day three, day five to proper milk. Um, so if I've got a baby that's battling to breathe, it might have picked up a little bit of congestion in its nose. Um, you know, often through the birth process or seizure process, they will ingest a lot of juices and sometimes their noses get a bit snuffly, etc. Pop drops of breast milk into the nose, it clears that nose beautifully. If they've got um, chapped lips or they've got a rash on their bottom or a rash on their face, I'll get the moms to express them to some cotton wool and they'll just use it like a little moisturizer. It's good for the eyes, drop breast milk into the eyes. Beautiful for any form of allergy or, um, you know, in the beginning babies have other blocked tear ducts mm. and you just pop that milk in and it's amazing. It's almost like a miracle whip. It's <laughs> Do you know, I've had mummies say to me, please, I really don't want to breastfeed and that's okay. Maybe mm. they have a choice as well. But I try and encourage the first feed that I do after birth to be a breastfeed but, uh, mm. because it's such a gold mm. milk. So I'll say to him, Doc, you don't even have to breastfeed this baby. Let me just latch that first feed. Mm. And sometimes it either encourages them to can carry on. Continue, yeah, yeah. Because I'll give them choices. You can even do just three days in the ward because you've got help mm. and you've got me coming the next day. Um, and then whatever you decide when you get home. Mm. You can continue this journey, or if you're really adamant to bottle feed, that's okay. Mm. It's not a sin. Um, but a lot of them end up continuing. Like she yeah. just had a mommy who was adamant. Yeah. And actually had a lot of problems with her one breast. And I said, let's do one day at a time. I know you want to bottle feed, and that's absolutely okay. Mm. And I don't ever want you to feel ashamed mm. or anything like that. So. When baby was born, I said to her, are you happy for me to do the first latch? She said, yeah, let's try. And we did the first latch. And she just called the nurse after that, come and do another feed. And she was there for three days and went home. And um, she got home and she uh, came to do the day five, expecting that maybe she was moving baby onto the bottle. And she's sailing away and she's in her third week now. That's so special. Yeah. And I think it's also, like you said, it creates a oneness that like no mother, like I think women, like I have a, the one, one of the midwives have said to me that if men could do what women do when it comes to pregnancy and breastfeeding, you'd never hear the end of it. Mm. But women are so private about it because they just, it's such a rewarding mm. thing internally that they don't need to, you know, yeah. plus it becomes almost natural. But what are the, some of the taboos like do not do for breastfeeding and do do? Like, what? so vegans will have mm. predominantly lentils, beans. Is, is that going to, like affect the child in any way that it could cause some sort of like curry does curry mm. affect the child or what you, what you eat can it affect the baby you know again it's a it's an individual thing mm. um i always say that um let's take um different cultures mm. the different cultures that will live on curry and i think that that is in the bloodstream it's in it's going you know your your body your blood everything is circulating to baby when it's in in the womb mm. um but if you've got someone and i think that that baby 
I don't seem to have those problems with okay. those babies. But absolutely, yes, food mm. can um, affect or have an effect in breastfeeding, mm. especially in the beginning, mm. in the first maybe six weeks. And some babies' little guts are very, very sensitive. Their little digestive systems are very sensitive. And there are certain things that are gas-producing, like garlic, for instance. No. Or, no. Um, yeah, <laughs> I or, love garlic. <laughs> or chili or curry. Like there's certain spices that can um, affect babies' digestive system. Coffee is, coffee is a big no with caffeine, certain chocolates. Cabbage. I always say all the seafoods, like foods beginning with a C. Uh, your um, cheese, very yellow cheeses, a lot of dairy can do that as well. Mm. It's very much an individual thing. Mm. Some people, it's just lactose. That baby just is battling with lactose. Um, can be nuts. Can be shouldn't be drinking gassy cool drinks, but sugar mm. can be another thing. So. I will, if I've got a mom in the sort of second week, maybe going on to 10 days and she's got a baby that's showing a lot of signs of crankiness, almost like colic, mm. um, and she'll say to me, you know, I'm really battling with wounds, babies, screaming babies, holding those legs up, mm. battling to get them out. And I'll say to her, what have you been eating? Mm. Let's just go back and say, okay, let's just rule that out. Mm. Lentils as well. Let's rule that out just for a couple of days. Mm. And let's see, it usually is three to six hours after you've eaten. Mm. And let's just see what baby's pattern is. And maybe that's a food that you actually can't yeah. eat. Doesn't mean that's forever. Yeah. It means just for this newborn stage. So the um, stomach and the bacteria can build up to re, it, yeah. Reintroduce it, yeah. yeah. But now, as, if someone is pregnant and they have, as an example, like Indian or, or your vegans that have high protein in lentils and beans and stuff, that should start helping the child to, to create that kind of bacteria and resistance to cramps and stuff. Mm. But obviously you get some that might just be developing slightly later yes so you get children who can't that are lactose intolerant by birth which mm. is mind-blowing because a mom had it yes. right through birth yes. so i had that with my son mm. so my girls i could literally eat anything i could probably chew on garlic <laughs> chew on cabbage they never had a reaction to it mm. but my son was a severe colic mm. um actually for literally three months and I learned that whatever I ate, um, he ended up being diagnosed lactose intolerant. So it was quite a journey right up until he was about eight years old. Mm. And he would get asthma from it as well. So funny enough, I could breastfeed, but I couldn't. As he started on solids, I couldn't give him anything that had lactose in it. And he would land up in hospital with asthma attacks, etc., etc. So, um, he only started eating um, anything lactose, cheese, yogurts, probably from about the age of 10, 12. Wow. Um, and it was certain things like white-based cheese, mm. um, certain yogurts, and not in excess either. Mm. So, that's probably a good example mm. of... I was someone that was actually a vegetarian until I was about 26. So they were vegetarian babies, mm. yet with him, 
I couldn't have those things. I literally had an organic diet with him. That is so yeah, interesting. Very bland, very organic. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fascinating. And I think it's also good to know that like it's not I think moms because we're the ones producing the milk, we're the ones carrying the baby. We constantly blame ourselves for the fact that the baby has an issue. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not. It's just the baby, yes, it comes as a blank canvas as it gets brought into your life, but it actually had a plan that yes. <laughs> it was always going to have, like when it was born, it was supposed to have a lactose issue. I mean, we don't know why some people are allergic to bees and hundreds and thousands exactly. are not. But the child had no allergies. One hundred percent. It's just so fascinating how we constantly um that we're constantly blaming ourselves. Um I think genetics also play a big role in it in that those genes pass down from way back, mm. you know, and um I mean as far as I was concerned there was nobody in the family with asthma mm. either. Nobody had lactose problems, nobody had asthma problems. So here I had a little boy, and today, sadly, he has Crohn's. Mm. So, I, you know, he was just born with this very sensitive little digestive mm. system that right through his young age, he struggled with certain things, mm. even after being weaned. So, and that was a breast, solely breastfed baby, mm. you know. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So how, how would a mom prepare herself? So if, if a mom never wanted to get a lactation consultant <laughs> for some obscure reason, some I know I understand that there's rare cases where moms can just latch and everything's fine, everything comes naturally, and there's just sometimes that it's not, and sometimes it's the baby, like you said, isn't ready to latch, wasn't ready to start sucking properly or mm. hadn't quite gotten that skill just yet. If a mom is wanting to breastfeed, but how can she pre prepare herself mentally and physically for the breastfeeding and possible cracked nipples, the pain? What kind of pain can she mm. prepare for? I think that's where doula is so mm. important. Um, you know, most doulas do breastfeeding, mm. so um, there are some that don't. But that's the preparation. So I would go and do two prenatal sessions with them. Mm. And in that, prepare them. So um, you would, I will also ask to check their, their breasts. Mm. Can I just see what nipples you've got? And I'll explain why. And, um, and, and what could go wrong. Mm. Not because I want to be negative, but there's nothing worse than you're now about to latch a baby and they think everything's going to be free sailing, but actually there is a little bit of a hiccup that mm. could happen. So if you've got a, a mommy with very inverted nipples or extremely flat nipples, mm. that's going to be more of a challenge for them. And they need to know that. Mm. They need to know that I'm there. I'm going to show them a way, a, a maybe a different position to help them. Because remember, they don't have help 24-7. Mm. Um, so we'll tackle that road right in the beginning. There's also things like nipple shields. So if a mom is really struggling to latch that baby, and that baby just cannot latch onto that nipple, um, and it becomes frustrating for baby as well, mm. um, because they need to be able to hold that nipple. Um, there is nipple shields, and I will size the nipple shield with them beforehand, and say to them, this is the size that you need. I'll measure the nipples, um, give them the size, 
this is what I want you to bring to the neighborhood. Now remember, I can literally latch any any baby because that's what I do. Mm. So if I get an inverted nipple, we get things like nipple poppers that we can put on. We can give it to them before their birth. They can start pulling on that nipple in their early uh, in their later mm. pregnancy to try and get that nipple to come out of it. We can use that in the labor ward, use the nipple popper and then latch baby. But it can be a challenge for a mom when she's at home and she's got to do all these mechanical things. It's tiring, you're tired, you don't have the patience anymore because you're extremely overwhelmed and exhausted. And um, so sometimes for me, there's nothing wrong with using a nipple shield. Mm. If that makes your life easier. 100%. Why not just use tools that are out there? Don't we... don't kick yourself. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So mm. let's go. And it's quite interesting that you said, so I love what you said because it's we're in a society where perfection is is advertised. Whereas... I feel advertising imperfections helps people normalize everything because mm-hmm. you'll get a mom that has an inverted nipple, but now she feels that she's she's not going to. She starts creating doubt in herself because she's got an inverted nipple. Mm-hmm. It's not the perfect nipple that you see on. I don't know what kind of advertising you'd see it on, but you know what I mean. And yes. so I love it you that you're saying that just because you might not have the atypical, but like what is actually typical? It doesn't matter what typical is, is that you can have exercises or 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 tools to help you through that process and mm. don't judge your body because you were made perfectly and that there are solutions around it. Because mm. mm. I think a lot of women go through that. The amount of times mm. that I've heard moms saying that, oh, I couldn't do it because of my nipples. And, I'm, and in my mind, you can't be created not to have... What did they do in the world? They would have had to make a plan. 100%. I'm pretty sure that like your deers or whatever animal, your calves from an elephant, that not every single elephant has the exact same nipple. Yes. They've got different nipples. They've got different... So there's got to be different... You look at a cow as an example. Yes. Some of them have longer, some have like really pointy ones and not all of them are the same. And the sad thing for me is a lot of people will tell them, even in medical situations, mm. they will be told, you can't breastfeed. Mm. So you might as well just give mm. it up, you know? Which is sad, And it's, yeah. in some moms, it's a deep passion, mm. you know? Um, and then they start feeling like, well, my body... It's just not mm. functioning. And even though they find a solution, yes. that constantly is a silent, gnawing feeling that yes. you're not good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So for me, um, I try and really work around. I mean, I had a mom whose baby was in ICU for two months. It was mm. premature. And she so badly wanted to breastfeed. And she had the PT where she had to... Um, drop her breast because she's never going to have enough milk and if she can't express mm. enough milk for baby now ready in ICU then it's not even an option mm. and I said to you, you have a voice that's the other thing that I really get into my moms you have a voice do not be intimidated mm. know your stuff you yeah know? absolutely so with her I said absolutely not we are going to breastfeed <laughs> and even if you can't breastfeed your baby now because baby was only 32 weeks mm. when it was born um, we're going to pump. So we, I had her on um, a, a medication for, so I insisted that the, the peach, I said to get the peach right and stuff to bring in milk. Mm-hmm. And um, 
because there's quite a difference here with expressing mm. and a baby suckling. Remember, they draw much deeper. Mm. Anyway, so we were expressed. So I said, train your body now every three hours because that's what you're going to be doing when baby comes. Mm. So every three hours, you express 20 minutes only. Doesn't matter if you only see 20 more. Don't be alarmed at what you see. We're doing something. Yeah, and we bank that milk. And I tell you what, she eventually, because with the first baby, she was told she couldn't feed. Mm. And uh, so we banked that milk. We had such a huge supply that eventually <laughs> she was getting 150 mils from both breasts per pumping session. Oh, goodness. And she was taking these bags to the, uh, uh, to the NICU. Yeah. They were amazed. Yeah. And I just honoured her for that. For that is perseverance. Yeah. You've got no baby at home, but you are doing what's best for your baby. You know? Yeah. And so baby, they, uh, they eventually took baby or formula, put baby onto breast milk only. Good. And yeah. today baby is five months old, um. sucking beautifully only. She has a bottle once a day, yeah. simply because she's a, a working mom, yeah. and um, she feeds. Yeah. That's beautiful. And she asked, when baby was discharged, I got home, she said, I've had very little help in the hospital, mm. so I spent three weeks going through there, just making sure that baby was latching well. It makes a difference if you don't latch well, mm. because of the ducts being stimulated. So, yeah. And how does someone get a crack nipple? Because that's a lot. Of, that's a big fear. So I've done a misconceptions uh, podcast on just that some women are absolutely fearful. And I know that uh, the, when we were addressing the misconceptions, that pain tells you tells you a message if there's something wrong. So it's, you've got to obviously listen to it. But how does someone who isn't going through a lactation consultant or or struggling, how do they know how to then correct it? Or is it you're not going to be able to correct it? You need some help. Is it one of those? Um, Obviously, if you don't know it, mm. then it's that's an easy, easy thing to give up. Yeah, it's very, very small. Mm. I had cracked bleeding nipples and an abscess. It's not a joke. It's I can it's, imagine. It will tell you give up. <laughs> if I have a situation, or if a mom, if a yeah. mom has a situation, she hasn't got a doula or anyone with her. Yeah. The way to actually, you, you do actually need to make sure that you've got a deep latch, and that is the baby rooting, um, coming over the nipple, past the nipple, and into the areola, mm -hmm. as much of the areola as possible, so that that nipple is right back towards the top of the palate. So that makes a big difference. Well, if you are latching a baby and it's sore, you're not doing it right. Mm. It's got to be comfortable. Carol has none of us with breastfeed. True. Um, Putting on the lanolin or the purelane or any nipple cream straight after breastfeeding, um, keeping those nipples dry and clean, and then of course moisturize mm. with that. I will tell my moms to go into the sun, sort of early morning sun and late afternoon sun, sort of around August 19. Pop them into the sun for three to five minutes and uh, not to burn them, just to dry them a little with a vitamin D and then to. Um, you know, obviously go back inside or cover them, whatever. Do mm. not keep them moist mm. as in wet. Okay. You know, um, your your colostrum or your milk is very, very good to apply on onto mm. the cracked nipples as well. There's nothing wrong with feeding with cracked nipples. Uh, it is painful. 
correct the latch you can use a nipple shield in alternate feeding just to give them a break mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah basically just knowing that it's going to come to an end they do mm. tough and it takes about 10 days 10 to 14 days um, even if they're bleeding it's okay to feed the baby that really you yeah. I would think that that's like don't do it yeah, that's painful that is hate. No, we'd actually sit then with a nipple shield. Yeah. Just to be able to get through that feed at times. Yeah. So and if I healed up and never again. Never got and you could again. and you could could continue to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. So if someone is worried about that, that's obviously some when they need to obviously contact a lactation consultant in order to just make sure that they're doing the right thing because maybe they are latching completely Absolutely. incorrectly. Nine times out of ten is it is. Mm -hmm. Um and also leaving them on and being used like a dummy. Mm -hmm. So I hear mom saying, my baby was on me for two hours. That's actually not how it is. Mm. 20 minutes. Short, yeah. Longer than that. 30 minutes max, mm. you know. You get physios that can do laser treatment, etc., on their nipples mm. just to help with the healing process, which is also really good. Mm. So they can go for physio, um, engorgement as well, you mm. know. But of course, that's where I teach them about the hot and cold method to get those ducts to open, get the milk flowing express release massage those mm. breasts we need to look after our breasts like we're looking after our babies mm. Mm. so i've heard some women use cabbage what is cabbage used is that to help with the cool calming down the boob as well or the, the amazing for like an anti-inflammatory so you always apply heat first mm. so i would use they can stay in the shower if they want to mm. hot hot water i will use boiling hot water with two clots and obviously you don't put it on boiling, <laughs> but you want to put it on hot, as hot as they can handle without burning them, not on the nipples, never on the nipples, yeah, yeah. around the whole breast. Um, and you do that for about 10 minutes, just constantly dunking the clots and applying the mm. hot clots. And then I've got a breast ease oil, which has got a lot of fenugreek in it, and it's amazing for doesn't cool the breast but it just does something it opens up those ducts mm. um so i will teach them how to massage from the top down to the nipple all the way around mm. letting that milk drip to get because the heat opens up the mm. ducts gets the milk running and then when we've done that and we've loosened the breast a bit and we've got the ducts unblocked then we apply cabbage cold cabbage not out the freezer out mm. the fridge um, that's white cabbage, you know, the green white mm. cabbage. Break the leaves off, pack the breast with that cold, cold, not on the nipple, because why we're going to keep the nipple dry. Mm. Um, and you'll apply that around the breast, and then you put on a fairly tight, like a gym bra, nothing oh, yeah. wide. I okay. don't know if I'm wear wide bras when they're breastfeeding, mm. cuts the ducts in there. Just a gym bra or a breastfeeding bra. Um, and then they just walk around with those, they smell like cabbages. I don't think they eat cabbages for a while. <laughs> but it just, it gets soft. Yeah. It sweats, causes the breast to sweat. Yeah. So you've got the cold, reducing the inflammation, and then it, it gets hot and sweaty, causes the breast to sweat. And of course, we have that milk dripping. Mm. So it's an amazing thing. It sounds it. And it's two to three hours. And I've heard... Some women have had to ask their husbands in order to help them unblock a duct. Mm. Is that true, or are they just like because I'm naive, they, like I believe anything? <laughs> when you say help to unblock, what do you so mean? So I've uh, 
I'm not going to mention names because just in case she listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you mean actually suck off the breast? Yeah, so you had to suck yes. it off in order to... Because the yes, mother... So she help. said that she felt like something hard and she's like, you're going to have to suck it out. Yes. And the husband said that he had to suck it up, but he didn't tell me. He didn't want to tell me what came up. But there's a actually clot inside your. It, you get literally stones. It's especially under the armpit. But surely that's sore sucking it out for the woman. It's such a relief. No. Can you imagine? You're looking at cows. Let's take cows as an example. Okay. When a cow's udders are full, they start getting irritable and mooing and like, please somebody help me. Yeah. yeah. There's no calf to drink. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. It's the same thing. They get they get sensitive. We we get exceptionally sensitive. Yeah. That full breast, it's like blowing up a balloon and keep blowing and the pressure's just getting greater and mm. greater and greater. Your ducts are now blocked, there's no release and it's like pumping air into something that can no longer expand. Oh wow. And when you get those stones and those blockages it's exceptionally painful, exceptionally oh, yeah. painful. And so you need to get those hot clots on to um, warm up the breast, mm. open up those ducts, and then to massage those stoned areas, those blocked areas. And it's usually this side. And you just work it and work it. And eventually by working it, you'll start seeing the milk start to run. And funny enough, the other breast will just automatically start running. <laughs> Because it's just so in sync with each yeah. other. Yeah. But like, that stone that you're saying, is it like actual, is it like a, a, a dried up milk stone? Or what is it that actually causes a stone? It's just, it, it's just like a clot. It's okay. like, um, it's almost like the milk expands and then it's stuck. It can't, yeah. it can't flow. Those pockets are blocked. Okay. And they can't actually flow out. So, um... You can get a major infection if you leave it. Oh, wow. So you don't necessarily get that stone. I mean, it's, it's not a stone, obviously, because it's, it's, I'm assuming it's not it's a stone. It's just when you, when you massage, you know when you massage the top of your muscles, you can feel, oh, you've got Oh, okay, like that, and you've got like a knot. Okay. It's like, it's like little. Interesting. Uh, uh, clumps, little yeah. um, swellings that yeah. you can But you see. don't necessarily suck that out, or is that actually coming out? So by sucking, yeah. if a dad has to, if a mom's so desperate and she, and baby's not latching or hasn't woken up or doesn't want to drink, mm-hmm. and it's usually in the first two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, after that it's, or even in the first three weeks it starts calming down, um, you get so desperate that you don't actually care. Who's sucking? It's <laughs> to get a colleague from work. <laughs> yes, that is cause for desperation. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to be desperate. Yeah. So normally you would just pop yourself then worst case scenario onto a little breast cap, which is not actually stimulating. Mm. That's a wonderful way to help. Um, because remember, if you put a breast pump on, you are making more milk. Mm. But if you haven't got anything else and you cannot unloosen that milk just to release it with a pump. Mm. Um, I always say put hot cloths on first and then use your pump. Helps a lot. Fascinating. That is unbelievable. And tell me, I've heard that if, so if a mom can't latch, when is the earliest, that, and, and why do they say you shouldn't uh, pump so early into your breastfeeding? Because supply and demand. 
So, so if a mom's struggling and then she tries to do breastfeeding, is that okay or is so it only... what you would do, so for me, sometimes what can happen is you can have a mom that's so engorged in the first mm. three days that she actually cannot latch her baby. It's mm. too hard. Um, then, again, you can pop that little breast mm. cup extractor on or um, just to loosen the breast, soften the breast a little bit. Mm. It's like deflating a balloon yeah. slightly and you can actually then grip it a bit better. Yes, yes, it's exactly yes. the same thing. You can absolutely put the breast pump on, release, pump for about five minutes just to release 10 mils and you can match that baby. Very interesting. I find that fascinating. So, yeah. <laughs> so how long should a mom be breastfeeding for and how do you know your baby's getting enough and especially like if a mom's had a first baby and then a second baby so let's talk about the first baby how long is the baby supposed to be latching, latching for and drinking and how do you know he's had enough or she's had enough so with the first breastfeed which is the most crucial we do 30 minutes 30 minutes mm -hmm. 30 30 to boost that sugar um and to get the milk coming in etc thereafter i usually say 20 minutes 20 minutes mm. okay um because you've got the full milk first when the actual milk comes in, you've got the full milk, which is sort of the first 10 minutes, and thereafter you've got what we call hind milk, which is your fat milk, which is your steak, egg and chips milk, which <laughs> is your weight putting on milk. Mm. Okay. So for me, for the first side especially, we want to go for at least 20 minutes mm. on that first breast. Remember also, we don't want baby to be on that breast for too long mm. because the nipples are still sensitive. Mm. So... 20 minutes on the first breast and then I usually tell them finish the second side. Mm. So if it's 25 minutes or it's 15 minutes, that's okay. Sometimes it might only be 10 minutes. Mm. Then on, on the next feed, start the baby on that side, mm. 20 minutes, and then move over and finish the other side. And of course you're winding in between. Mm. Remember babies fall asleep, it's a challenge to keep them awake. That's the other challenge. <laughs> they're floppy and they're sleepy and they just don't want to know, you know. Change the baby in the middle. So do the nappy change in between. Mm. And it's, don't take too long to wind and change. We want to get baby on the second side fairly quickly. Mm. Um, because they start sleeping, because they're starting to feel a bit full. Want to get baby on the second side? We want to do the whole process within an hour, mm -hmm. so that mom can get baby down to sleep and try and sleep herself. Yeah, that's a good scenario. We do have high need babies; it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. But generally, twenty minute feeds um, on each breast, so it's about 40-45 minutes, um, and every in the beginning, every three hours, mm -hmm. you want to establish that milk. You want to keep those blood sugars up. You want baby gaining weight, etc. Mm. And what is the normal period for a mom to be breastfeeding their child? Is it like a month, six months, two years, ten years? <laughs> so um, it's an individual thing. Okay. Um, but if you can try and feed for a minimum of five, six months, mm. you've really helped baby a lot. And um, how long is too long? <laughs> <laughs> 10 years old <laughs> again that is such a topic for debate um yeah babies generally will eventually wean themselves off mm. there are some moms that will feed right up to five years old what um i mean i was joking me, about 10 but <laughs> yeah, 
five years old, some moms will feed five up to five, six years old. Yeah. Um, and it's usually a comfort food. It's mm. not, there's no benefit as such like mm. it is when they, there's always a benefit. Mm. Your breast milk has always got a huge value to it. Um, but it's usually just, uh, you know, that mom is enjoying it. Mm. And, and, the, and the supply is still going. And so the supply is still going. And normally they yeah. will only feed usually morning and night or just night. Mm. More like a comfort bond feed mm. um, by that stage. Yeah. And you know what? That's the individual and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, true story. I'm just amazed yeah. that you can supply for five years. Yeah. I honestly am amazed I that you can. I think that you could keep supplying. Well, it's supply and demand. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Whilst you are breastfeeding. Yeah. And there's a supply and demand. It will still keep it coming. Will always, unless this a major hormone change or something yeah. happens, yeah, which will affect the. Family. That is so interesting. Yeah. And how do you? How does a mom? So this is more for when a mom has a second child. So let's just say that the mom is breastfeeding for two years, at her own preference or however long. So or, or like my sister-in-law, she uh, was pregnant five months after her pregnancy <laughs> so she's pregnant again but now what happens when if if she was still breastfeeding her baby and then the new one comes along how do you then or do you keep up the supply and demand for both i mean i'm yeah, sure it's taxing it's, on both again the body just changes it's absolutely phenomenal so do you think you it recognizes the child no and you absolutely can tandem feed so You'll, the milk will probably be the normal milk. Yeah. I've had some cases where it changes to colostrum, back to colostrum, mm. um, which is um, phenomenal. You can actually see the difference in the milk. And some have just had that huge supply because baby, the two-year-old may have been drinking a lot, mm -hmm. still has a huge supply of milk still, mm. and the newborn will come in and it'll just feed and... Yeah, so I actually had a situation where I had a, the toddler was present in the birth mm. and <laughs> it was rather funny because he got most upset that this baby was, I was latching this baby. <laughs> it's <present>. mine. <laughs> he actually tried to pull the baby off, this was his, his milk. Mm. I said, that's okay. And I took back, picked him up, took him around to the other side and he got onto all fours. He actually got onto it because he wasn't taking his eyes. <laughs> And there he was, he was holding the breast, he was suckling on the one breast, and I had the newborn suckling on the other breast, and the mom was happy, and the two children were, and he was as happy as Larry. Hmm. He actually fell asleep oh, on wow. that breast. Yeah. That's so interesting, because I think that some parents actually use that to kind of, cool, well, both of you are here now, and both of you are loved, and both of you, you know what I mean? So they kind of... That's how they introduce the child into the, the newborn baby into the family and help the sibling in order to, yeah. to and in transition. That case, you can either just feed the one feeds on the one breast and the other feeds on the other, and you can alternate. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay because both breasts are being used, so it's not a problem. That is fascinating. Yeah. That is and also, they might feed at different times eventually. You know, mm -hmm. he he they he will probably get back into his little routine mm -hmm. that he was having. Maybe it was just two three times a day, and, for and the novelty yeah. wears off that the baby's on the breast, and he will drink when he needs to, mm -hmm. and baby will drink however baby needs to. I suppose it's just what the mom can handle, mm -hmm. and I think if a mom can handle it, then that's all good. Yeah. 
Um, so I think you've basically answered. Oh, can someone bre- uh, breed? <laughs> can someone breastfeed if they've had an augmentation, breast augmentation? Absolutely. Obviously, it also depends on the type of surgery mm. and the cut and where they've had the cut. You know, often if it's a cut that's sort of under the breast, um, the chances of affecting the ducts is a lot less. Mm-hmm. Um, they do try and avoid doing that. Mm. Avoid injuring or cutting into or having to go that route so i've had a lot of moms that have had um reduction and or um um, augmentation you know that have had their breasts enlarged or reduced and it hasn't affected their breastfeeding at all and then there are some moms that just the milk is just not coming in and Mm. unfortunately you've tried and Mm. there's nothing you can do you know but yeah, I've had a lot of success. I've had moms with uh, fibroid cysts, uh, uh, had surgery on their breasts, mm-hmm. and um, actually was told in the first time they weren't allowed to feed because it was going to affect um, or be exceptionally painful, whatever. And yes, they have had discomfort, but doing the hot and cold method with them seems to have brought relief as well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they'll sit with that hot cloth on them while they're feeding, mm-hmm. brings relief, gets those ducts open, and they're feeding well. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. I've had babies that couldn't feed at all, um, was bottle fed from the start um, due to being prem, mm-hmm. and really wanted to breastfeed and called me. And I've got like a little tube that I will stick on and I will um, release the milk with a syringe and get baby latching and immediately release milk mm-hmm. so that they know something's happening here. Because yeah. I remember they're used to that bottle. Mm-hmm. It's coming quickly. And to actually train the breasts. And you know, once you start suckling on those breasts, that brain starts releasing that prolactin hormone. It's amazing how nature eventually takes It over. is, and especially if you're doing a breast reduction, the fact that your breast can heal to the point of, well, I suppose that once you fall pregnant, your your glands start to like really start to kick mm. in, and like this is this is the path, is everything clear? Mm. The body is unbelievable, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that the the challenge comes in if they've had surgery around the nipple mm-hmm. or um, sort of cutting into. Depends on the type of surgery they've mm-hmm. had as well. Some moms have actually had to have surgery, and then yes, it can. You know, we have to be careful that if it mm-hmm. is making a little bit of like my daughter had a problem with her one breast, and she couldn't actually. So the breast was making milk, but that there were no ducts coming out of the nipple, so they we couldn't release oh, them. Wow. There was a bit of a deformity there. And she could feed out of the other one, but we had a problem now because this breast was making milk and she ended up with such severe mastitis mm. and we couldn't release release the milk. Yeah. Uh, we tried everything and then, of course, on a scan realized there was a problem. But So we actually ended up having to dry her milk for comfort for her. But, um, yeah. Mm. That is fascinating. And you know, also, if you just feed on the one breast, eventually the other breast will dry up. Mm. So, or, or lessen and lessen and lessen. That's not being used. So if you, if you don't use it, you lose it kind yeah. of thing, yeah. yeah. But I'm sure the pressure of it just building up is, is mm. quite, like she you mentioned. Shame, man. That is so. insane. Well, I'm absolutely amazed at how a woman can produce milk and have a baby and 
unbelievable. I mean, you get in the, especially in the um, past centuries and decades ago, and I think you still have them today, you get nurses that nurse other mm -hmm. babies, and or, or not their own babies, mm -hmm. and it's amazing how you get moms that have adopted babies that want to breastfeed and... It happens. Yeah, you know, they it's can... Amazing. Just by suckling that baby constantly eventually triggers um, the brain to release that prolactin hormone kicks in and they're feeding. You know, and you can also get things that you can take, medication mm. to help. Mm. Yeah. That is amazing. But thank you so much for sharing all your info with us. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really enjoyed it and enjoyed editing it as well because I learned so much about it. I had no clue about any of this stuff with breastfeeding. It is very, very interesting. And um, yeah, this is actually our second last episode of this season. We are doing a seasonal podcast. So we'll take a couple months break and then we'll be back. Um, yeah, so really excited for all of that. And so in the next two weeks, we'll bring you the last episode and chat to you a little bit about uh, when we'll start season two. But uh, if you enjoyed this, please uh, like, share, hashtag, and do whatever you need to. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much.